0: Now, our uh, way of life has changed, hasn't it? Our manner of living has altered. It's often said that London moves at a thousand miles an hour, a fast-paced place to live. And we at London City Presbyterian Church, we know that. Before all this, our lives were pretty hectic. Our lives were all about city mapper weren't they? And tube delays, and tapping in and tapping out, and taxiing kids all across uh, London, our lives are all but commuting, 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 and commuting. And then what's happened? Almost overnight, all of that frantic, hectic movement has ground to this um, whiplash-inducing halt. And look at us now, we're Londoners, yet we're immobile. We are confined to our homes for, (laughs) I don't know, who knows how long. Well, here's the matter at hand. How are we going to live now? Like, how are we going to live in this season of our life? You're with me, aren't you, that we don't want to look back on lockdown with embarrassment we don't want to look back and be ashamed we want to be able to look back on our time in lockdown and 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 and, and see a time of godliness don't we isn't that right so how does that happen what what what, what would that even look like well uh, we are going through the book of first peter aren't we uh, this god-inspired letter Written in the first century. And as we continue in it today, it's to these matters, godly living, that we turn. What Peter does in these verses, and and hear this, what he does is he provides instruction for Christians about how to live in times of suffering, in difficult times. It's really practical. Wouldn't you agree? He gives principles to Christians for how to live in in trying circumstances. And these are principles. Christian friend, these are principles that really ought to govern your lockdown life. Okay? So really practical stuff. How do we live in times like this? Okay, now... Before we get to that practical stuff, there's one stop that we have to make. Okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to consider with me uh, how people in society and the Western world have kind of understood the essence of Christianity down the years. Do you see the sort of question that I'm asking there? Like, how do people who are not in the church but outside of the church... How have they understood the nature? What do they think Christianity is all about? Hmm? How would you answer that for me? What would you say? You might say, well, people today don't have any understanding of Christianity at all, and that's fair enough, but certainly in years gone by, I think this is true, that people have looked at Christianity from the outside in, and they've seen it as about earning favour from God. Isn't that it? People trying to earn favour from God. If you were to ask somebody in society, even today, describe to me, define a Christian. What would they say? They would maybe say, well, a Christian is somebody who... Intellectually assent to the existence of God. They believe that there is a God, and on the basis of that belief, a Christian is somebody who tries to do things. Right? Religious observance. Charitable stuff. Nice things They try to do things in order to secure maybe even eternal favor from God, right? Isn't that what people would say? about how Christians are always depicted in TV and film it's always the same isn't it the Christian's the weirdo <laughs> the Christian's the oddball but the Christian is the do-gooder the Christian is the one trying to secure favour from God well if you are uh, today uh, watching this video and you are not following the Lord Jesus Christ two things I need to do right? one What I need to do is to tell you that that idea of Christianity is utter, complete nonsense. That is not the essence of Christian faith. And the second thing that I need to do is I guess I need to prove that to you. So, do this with me. Have a look at the very first word of our text. Do you see what the word is? It's the word. Therefore, now you're no daft are you, like grammatically we know what that word does, therefore it ties our section to what came before it doesn't it, therefore, hang on a second, what was it that comes before our section, have you seen these videos, have you read it, did you pay attention earlier on? What Peter's done is he's laid out for us the beauty and the benefits of Christian salvation. has not he? he said to Christians, you're saved knowledge the foreknowledge of God, the work of the Holy Spirit, the sprinkling of Christ's blood. You're born again, this imperishable inheritance. You have already got this incredibly privileged, fevered status with God. Do you see it? Do you? When in verse 13, our section, Peter begins to talk about how we are to live, what's he not doing? He's not showing us how to earn favour with God as though that were the essence of Christianity. No, he's showing us Christians how to live in gratitude for what God has already done for us. Isn't that it? You know it if you're a Christian. Isn't that right that, that the imperatives, the commands of Christian life, they always come on the back of the indicatives. What is Peter doing here? He's not saying, live like this to be accepted by God. No, he is saying, yeah, Christian, you are already accepted. It is all of Christ Jesus. You are already favoured by God. It is all of grace through faith. It's all in Christ and Therefore, therefore, this is how you ought to live for the praise of God and even, even in suffering, even in lockdown. So, so you're with me, are you? We see that the logic, the order of this it is not, this is how you must live to be saved. Peter is writing to Christians, you've been saved by grace, therefore live like this. We see the order, the logic, but we need to get into the substance of actually how does Peter teach us how to live uh, for Christ's glory. Now, this morning what we're going to do is just two things. We're just going to hit two uh, points, two headings. We're going to look at two principles that Peter gives here. And in fact, I'll give you them both just now. We're going to think about if I can get it we're going to think about living in lockdown hope and then we're going to think about living in lockdown holiness living in lockdown hope then living in lockdown holiness so let's get our teeth into this and first of all consider with me living in lockdown hope now i am not one for being uh, particularly critical of uh, different translations of the bible or being too uh, rigid about certain uh, translations of versions of Scripture. I do, however, think there is uh, a matter that we need to address here. Because when it comes to verse 13, some of the versions of the Bible, they make it out as though what Peter is doing in verse 13 is just bombarding us with all of these different So some versions of the Bible, they render verse 13 as though it is command after command after command after command. And that's no right. See, in verse 13, there's a lot going on and there's participles and all that. But in verse 13, there is but one imperative. There is but one command that Peter is giving to you and to me. And if you have a look at the verse, you will perhaps see that. So do you see it? God has saved us. How do we respond? God has done so much for us. Therefore, what's the command? What are we to do? We are to set our hope. Set our hope. Now, uh, I could be wrong about this. I'm wrong about most things. But I reckon because we thought about hope in a video not all that long ago, I reckon we don't need to dive into the sort of, think about the nature of the Christian hope too much just now, do we? Like you, listening to this, watching this, you you totally get Christian hope. Hope in the New Testament is not just a pipe dream or wishful thinking, is it? We know that. I love thunderstorms. Alright, you need to know that about me, okay? I love, I love a good, do you like a good thunderstorm? I love A good thunderstorm. So I can say to you just now, Oh, I really hope that we have a thunderstorm later on this evening. But here's the reality. That's not based on anything at all. I have not even checked the weather forecast. It is just a pipe dream. It's just wishful thinking. And you understand, I understand, that hope in the New Testament is not like that. The Christian hope is is what? It is expectation. Yes, yearning. Yes, but it's concrete. It's actually a confident expectation, a sure expectation. Why? Because it is based on something, something that has already happened. We hope, certain hope, based on the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we don't need to delve into that in too much detail. We don't. But I do think you and I have to consider the focus of our hope. And this for me just now is pretty easy to illustrate. It is. uh, Because if you think about uh, London or you think about our society just now, what is it that everybody is looking forward to? (laughs) This might not be you. I don't know who's watching. So you might be the most antisocial person that has ever lived, right? And if you are, fair enough, exclude yourself, okay? What about everybody else in society? What is everybody else looking forward to? I'm right in saying that now. Everyone is looking forward to the moment that lockdown is over. Okay, I'm not talking about, like, you're not gradual, sort of, fading out or phasing out of, no, no, I'm talking about everyone looking forward to the day when all of those restrictions are completely removed and you can see and hug your friends, right? We're looking forward to seeing our extended family, putting our arms around, the people, like, this society just now is looking ahead to one specific date, that day longing <laughs> for that date. Well, if you look at the text here, isn't that how Peter is thinking at this point here? Now, you see what he's saying? He's saying in suffering, how do we get through it? We look ahead to a specific day that's coming, and it's that day when Christ shall be revealed, the second coming of Jesus Christ. I'm asking you, Christian friend, listen to me, I'm asking you, do you see it? Because you might be sitting at home just now and you're thinking, how on earth am I going to navigate the vessel of my life through these Troubled waters of lockdown and COVID-19. How do I navigate all of this? And you see what Peter's saying, do you? He's saying, how do you navigate these waters? You keep your eye on the horizon. Isn't that it? The Christian life, we look up, we look ahead, we keep our eyes fixed ahead, we keep our eyes on the prize, don't we? And if you're a believer, Doesn't it greatly warm your heart to see how Peter describes the second coming and what will happen in the second coming of Jesus Christ? Doesn't it? Your heart burn within you to consider it on that day, not only. Shall so Jesus Christ himself be disclosed to every eye as the, the King of Kings, the Lord of glory. But what what else did we read? Do you see what it said? We on that day will be brought grace, grace. Christian friend, do you see it? You have nothing at all to fear in the return of Jesus Christ. There is nothing but undeserved favor to be poured out on you. That do you see what it means? Like it means that I can promise you that Christian friend, your existence is only set to get better. That no matter how good God has been to us, and hasn't he been good to us in this life, it is only set to improve. That when Christ returns, you are going to receive a litany, an abundance of undeserved blessing, of an embarrassment of spiritual riches. You and I shall see him as he is. But on that day, you and I will also receive from that gracious hand of God, we will receive perfecting grace. We're getting there with this, are we? And we're beginning to see what Peter's saying. God has done this for us. He has saved us. Therefore, what do we do? We are to set our hope through suffering On the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'll be honest with you. I do think there's something more solemn that we have to consider. Because. What if we're sitting here and even as Christians. All of this seems so remote to us. Does it seem remote to you? That such as. Our apathy, even as Christians just now, our spiritual apathy, that this idea that we are yearning for the second coming of Jesus Christ just seems so so alien and so far removed from our daily experiences. How long have we been in lockdown, you and I? It's probably kicking two months on lockdown. Is it the case that that, that we have actually never even once thought about Christ coming back? And if that is our spiritual heart just now, is there there anything we can do? We want this hope, don't we? Is there any way this hope in the coming of Christ can be enhanced? (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) Praise him. Because it's that very matter that Peter goes on to deal with here. Maybe, if you look at verse 13, maybe you'll see a common thread in what he says. Did you notice some common ground? Like, do, do you see the repetition there? See, I think the point Peter's making is this, that if we want to have our uh, hope enhanced, that our minds must first be right. Did, did you see that? Our minds must first be, be right. We give so much, don't you think we give so much credence to emotion in the Christian experience? Don't we? We, we love the emotional, we love a buzz, don't we? We love a buzz, we love that an emotional Christian uplifting him. We, we want to feel it. Right? We really want to feed. But what's this truth, I think, that Peter's bringing to us? It's actually quite surprising. He's telling us, in Christian living, our hearts follow our minds. Our hearts follow our thinking. Just do this. Look at the two clauses that he gives us here. Do, do you see them? How do we, uh we're asking, how do we set our hope on Christ? How does that enhance? And he says, first of all, he says, look at by being sober-minded. And <laughs> you see what's, what he has in view there, do you? It's not just Peter saying, oh, you want to hope in Christ, then don't get wasted. It's not just, oh, you know, make sure you don't give yourself to drink too much. It's, it's that, it's literal, but it's so much more than that, isn't it? It's Peter saying to us that there should be moderation in our thinking as Christians. If we want to hope in Christ, you and I, are not to be intoxicated by the things of this world. You know, inebriated by our careers and by our possessions and intoxicated by educational advance. No, Peter's saying it can't be like that. There, There is for the Christian, if we're going to have true hope. There ought to be measured thinking, a calmness, a sensible thinking. And then, look at the other one. (laughs) <laughs> I love this one because we were saying how do we, how does a hope for the second coming in in Hatton, And he says by preparing our minds for action. <laughs> I love it. Like I'm, I'm not pretending to be an expert in these things because I'm quite simply not. But I love it because the Greek there is just, just epic. You listen to it literally, really. It's like this, you know, how do we hope, or how do we enhance this hope? And Peter basically says, by girding up the loins of your mind. <laughs> do you see that? Do you see this sort of idea? It's that idea of the ancient people of God. You know this, right? You know this. The ancient people of God, if they had hard work to do, they had hard graft that day, what would they do? They would take their long flowing garment. And they'd roll it up, they would tuck their garment into their belt, okay, to start free up their arms and their legs for this hard graft. Do you see what Peter's doing? He's saying that to you. It's the kind of equivalent of, oh, come on, Christian, roll up the sleeves of your mind. Do you see, the Christian, to enhance our hope, we can't be lackadaisical and whimsical in our thinking. We've got to be given to disciplined thought. Consider it. You and I are to be given over to purposeful thinking, intentional thinking. It's surprising, but it's really important that we're asking God at this point, in light of your great salvation, how do you want us to live through suffering? And what is part of what we're seeing here? God's saying back to us, train your mind. So I'm going to suggest this to you, Christian friend, practically speaking. You and I genuinely need to make space each and every day. And yes, that's for Bible reading. It must be for Bible study. And yes, it must be for prayer. But you and I need to make space simply for thought. We need to meditate on God. We need to spend real purposeful time thinking about our lives from an eternal point of view and- And why? Do you remember why? You got it, don't you? All so that we might have an increasing longing, a greater yearning for that day that is to come, that day when our Saviour appears. So we see, do you remember what we see? What was it? Living in lockdown hope. That was it, wasn't it? Living in lockdown hope. Hope. Okay. I promised you two things, right? I promised you uh, living in lockdown hope, but then there was a second one. So much more briefly, secondly, we see living in lockdown holiness. Okay. Living in lockdown holiness. Now, if you don't know me particularly well, I was um, born and brought up in a Christian home up there in the north of Scotland. I, I was brought up in a home that, not, a home where the Bible was not just read, but the Bible was taught. Okay? Now despite that, when I became a, when I was converted in the early twenties and, and I started attending a local church, I, I realised, despite my upbringing, I realised that I was pretty unfamiliar with much of the, the vocabulary of the Christian faith. Like do you, do you see the idea, you know, I had heard words like sin, sanctification, justification, propitiation. I'd heard all of these sort of technical terms used. I pretty quickly realised I didn't understand what those words meant. And I also realised I had to pre- resolve that and resolve it fast. Well, let we me uh, come now to what each second. The most explicit command that God gives us for Christian living, a command about holiness. I reckon that although every one of us, like you know that term, you've heard that term, I reckon it would probably benefit us for us to linger on that and unpack exactly what what does what that look like? What has God got in view when he talks about holiness? What does he have in view for how we live just now? Okay, so this is what I want to do. As we come into a close in this sermon, I just want to throw throw out or throw at you three words that help us to work out what is Peter calling for in our lockdown living, right? So you get the idea just as we come into a close, three words that help us to wrestle with holiness just now. Okay, first of these words is this separation you got the word separation just look with me two verses 15 and 16 now do you see it there like twice peter declares to us he says be holy he says be holy Now, if you're sitting there thinking, well, that sounds a bit familiar, actually, this idea of being holy. Well, that's not a surprise, because what Peter's doing, actually, is he's quoting the Old Testament. So there he is quoting the Old Testament book of Leviticus. Now, this is cool, though. If I bring up before you just now what is what God says just before this and just after this call for holiness in Leviticus, maybe you'll see why. I'm talking about separation. Have a look at this. So this is in Leviticus. Leviticus 18. Look what God says to his people. So he's talking about holiness, either side of this. And then he says, and You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt, where you lived. And you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan, to which I'm bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. So, so, so you see the idea? There is, in the Old Testament, but... Clearly, carrying on for First Peter, carrying on to the New Covenant age, there is this demand from God that even now, even in lockdown, even in suffering, that God's people. What do we do? We have to differentiate ourselves from the standards, the practices, the values of an unbelieving world. And you need to think about that. Like, you need to think about that right now. You need to think about that this afternoon. What does it look like to be separate and to be different from our unbelieving world? Do you see it? You and I, friends, we have to separate ourselves from the drunkenness that so many people are resorting to to try and get themselves through lockdown. You and I have to try and separate ourselves from the laziness that so many people are embracing at a time like this. The idea here, when we're thinking about holiness, is you and I living separate, separate lives, separate standards. Okay, second words. Let me throw this word at you. The word self-control. Self-control. Look at verse 14. Verse 14. Now do you see what Peter does there? you see what he does he's, he's pushing us towards holiness isn't he but he's doing it by showing us what, showing us what we've got to avoid he's saying to us do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance what do you think of that <laughs> it might actually sound a bit rude you know, your former ignorance. Seems a little bit cheeky. <laughs> Doesn't it? But you get it, right? You see what he's doing. Like, he, Peter's clearly speaking to Gentile Christians. You would never see the former ignorance of Jews. speaking to Gentile Christians. He's speaking about the former way of living, how Gentiles, you know, with pagan worship before they were Christians, these Gentiles would have been given to all manner of evil, sinful desires. I think he lists them later on in the book, you know, they'd be given to passions and lust. And 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 and, and lawlessness—he talks about there, and he's talking about that. And what is he saying? Basically, Peter is saying here, no longer to these gentle Christians. He's saying, no, do not be conformed to those passions, lust, the immorality, sensuality, lawlessness. No longer. And isn't that really striking for us? Come on, I think we know that we have this tendency to be really easy on ourselves when we're going through any sort of hard time. Isn't that right? You know, when it comes to wrestling with our sin, what do we tell ourselves a lot of the time? We say, yeah, I'll I'll deal with that sin and I'll I'll fight that sin uh, later, but... I'm going through a hard time just now, so it's kind of understandable. Like uh you know, we let ourselves off lightly, and we don't, you know, we'll, we'll deal with it later. But now I'm suffering now, so I, I you know, I'm not going to wrestle with this. And what is God saying here? God is telling us in First Peter, even in suffering, even in lockdown, especially now, perhaps God is saying we must, you must pursue holiness, Christian friend. We must pursue self-control. Do you you see that in lockdown, you and I have to get much, much better at saying no. And saying no to ourselves. And saying no actually to our own impulses and our own sinful desires. So, what are the two words thus far? We've seen separation. We've seen self-control. And then the the third of these, the last of these words is this word, the word standard. Standard. You got the word, everyone? Standard. The boys and girls have to get it because you've got blanks in the worksheet that you're supposed to print out as well, right? So the word standard. Because would you not agree with me on this? That it would be so much easier for us when we're thinking about Christian holiness if we could only just have an example to follow. Don't. It's, that's the same in everything. Everything's easier if you've got somebody who's done it before. Who's, you know, you setting a pattern or a model for it. Wouldn't it be so easy? So much easier, rather, like to have an example of follow in holiness, right? Wouldn't it? Well, again, <laughs> praise God because that is what Peter mentions here. So you just have a look at verse fifteen. Who is the model of holiness he sets up for us? Is it himself? Is he saying, look at me? Is he saying, this is another suffering Christian. Look at them. Look at verse 15. What does he say? He says this. Wow. He says, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. As he who called you is holy, you also be holy. Do, do you see, who is this pattern that we have to follow in holiness? Who's the model set oh, for us? Isn't that amazing? The model is God himself. Peter's saying in suffering, what is this pattern of holiness? It is actually godliness. I think that's why in verse 14, Peter says to us, calls us obedient children. Do you see why? What should be able to happen just now is that in lockdown, an outsider should be able to look at your life, and then that outsider considers God Almighty, and then that outsider should be able to say of us, like Father like son like father like child friends it's quite a call isn't it peter's saying to us you must pursue even in suffering a holiness and 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 you listen to me we must do this but at all times remembering the gospel friend you are not enslaved sin you can think like that, do you think like that, do you think there's no way I can break these patterns of immorality or indecency or impulses or you're thinking like that, you are not enslaved to sin, you have the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ within you, you understand that and and then you must understand as well that you are not condemned by your feelings as you strive for holiness, we can think like that the guilt can come on us, we can feel condemned, it's not like that, Christian friend, you have the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ the forgiveness of God in Christ and you must remember the start of the sermon what is all of this about what is it about are we trying to secure and earn God's favour by pursuing hope and holiness is that it? no no Christian friend God already loves you he loves you he cherishes you he has chosen you you already have the Fever of God, all because what Christ has done on your behalf. And I I'll, 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 I'll look, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll knock it on the head with this. I, uh, I may have said this to you before, but uh, I'm kind of troubled by the idea that I don't know. Who watches these videos? You know, it's really weird for me. Like usually you preach and there's a mass people you know who you're preaching to, you can see. I don't know who's watching this right now. And so it troubles me to think, I suppose, that maybe you're watching this and you don't know Jesus. And I could, like, you know, you could have come to this video any, any way. Like, well, it's on YouTube, right? So you could just have accidentally clicked on this. Like, you you could have got to it through another video. Somebody could have sent you a link to this. But you could be made to watch it by a parent for all, look, I don't know. But the reality is maybe you're watching this and maybe you don't know Christ. If so, you listen to this, please See, all that Peter said, as it stands, it has no bearing or relevance on your life. Did did you hear me? We've we've looked at some pretty amazing stuff here, and as it stands, outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is not relevant to your life. Now, 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 I want you to think about what that means. It means that when... Christ Jesus returns at that moment. You, as it stands just now, are not set to receive grace. The outside of repentance and faith in Christ Jesus, on that day when the King of Kings is disclosed to all of the earth, you are set to receive not grace, but you are set to receive wrath. Wrath, anger at your unbelief and your rebellion. And so because of that, I am praying. Right now, I've been praying that the very thought of the coming wrath of God, that very warning, that very idea that you are set to be facing the anger of the Almighty, that that would... Make you, right now, flee to the Lord Jesus Christ. Flee to the only one who can provide refuge from that. My friend, understand that it is only the Lord Jesus Christ who truly can provide the necessary perfect holiness that secures entrance into heaven. Only Christ that can give you that. It is only the Lord Jesus Christ who can ultimately provide you with hope, an eternal hope, a hope for the future that is certain, a hope for the future, that for the Christian is a hope that is sure. Friends, let us bow our heads before this great God and let's pray to him. Gracious Lord God, we thank you that you have provided a way of salvation. We thank you for the great things that you have done for us. And we thank you that your people have been called according to the foreknowledge of God and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Christ, for the sprinkling with His blood, that it is our salvation, all of you. Lord, we acknowledge that now saved we have a life of obedience to live and we are so weak and frail, feeble and pathetic how we sin would you help us to have our hopes set on the coming of Christ oh God would you help us please to pursue holiness even at a time like this Lord be with us We praise you for the good news. We ask all of this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.